opportunity. <laughs> you didn't even let me do my thing. Wait, what were you going to do? What it is, what it is, y'all. That's what I was going to do. Oh. Was it as effective as I wanted uh, to be? No, it wasn't. <laughs> oh, welcome to the But Here We Go podcast coming at you from But Here We Go Studios. It's not very lovely. It was kind of warm out. And I didn't leave. I didn't even go outside. I thought it was a fine day. I walked outside once yesterday and it felt hot. (laughs) So I just assumed it was hot today. (laughs) Is that sad that I didn't make it outside today until we left for dinner? I feel like you you fed the cats, didn't you? Oh, maybe I did. Maybe I... Yeah, I remember. I, I got up, went outside, told Jake he had to come inside to eat his breakfast... And then I went to go look at the garden, which is exactly what we were telling him not to do. What, um, all I can say is I affirm the fact that you haven't been outside a lot because we are slowly like turning up the degrees that we set this house to because you're getting so cold in this house at like 75 degrees. And what's sad is that because you're, we are keeping it so warm during the day because you were so cold, I'm acclimating to the high degrees of temperature in here. And I feel like we, I moved it up to 76 today because I was too cold. And I spent a significant part of my day outside. Yeah, it's true. Crazy town. This is better for us, though. Better for the climate. Better for everything. Why don't we have a geothermal heating system in our house? And I hear me say that I'm asking you this question, and I know what the answer is. The answer is that we moved in, you moved in, and then I moved in when we got married with the assumption that we would then be moving again in the oh, short that term. that wasn't the answer. I just assumed we could, that it would, like, you can't put a geothermal. It would be no, profitable for us to do that in no, Texas? No, the whole point is that if we were to have done that, there is the assumption that you are going to be there for 15 plus years. Got it. Because that's the payoff. Some people say the payoff is like seven to 10 years, but that's best case scenario. Typically the payoff is closer to 15. That's not as long as I expected it to be. Yeah. That's like better than solar panels. Well, nowadays, some people say solar panels are anywhere from three to seven years oh, is kind dang. of the average. I thought it was like 20. Why did I, was that what the original yeah, that's was? What it it's was. just gotten cheaper? That's what it used to be. Wow. Maybe when we first got married and moved in, we may have been able to pay off the solar panels by now. Hmm. We may have been making money back now. Maybe. Who knows? But neither here nor there. Well, not here for sure. You said that you had stuff to talk about. Yeah, you're right. I do have stuff to talk about. I've got a fun new segment for our show. Do you want to know what it is? I would love nothing more. It is. Where'd you go? (laughs) (laughs) Because this is the Batir We Go podcast, and we never talk about where we go. Oh. So. You haven't, we just said you didn't go anywhere. I know, exactly. That's part of, that's obviously, uh, it's not part of the shtick. (laughs) Because it's not just going to be like, oh, we just sat around all day. But that's going to be the segment of where we tell people where we've been recently. Okay. Yeah. Where have we been recently? I'm asking you, where'd you go this week? <laughs> tell me everything. <laughs> you see, this is your segment? <laughs> this is what you had to talk about? This is, this is why I'm in control. <laughs> this is the segment. I, uh, 
have done what I never thought I would do. And that is I've joined a PTA. Why? I know. And you may be asking yourself, Allie, your son's not even in kindergarten yet. How yeah. did you join a PTA? That's a great question. He's three years old. He will be four next month. Um, <sighs> one of the moms in his uh, pre-K class is the president of the North Texas Early Development PTA organization, which is a organization for moms with children um, under five, so like not in school yet. And it just is like play dates and stuff like that. So... Um, because our sweet child did not want to be signed up for anything this summer, I've signed us up for this PTA in hopes of uh, getting more socialized this summer. But we had a play date at a place called Rock the Spectrum over in West Dallas, not West Dallas, but like West North Dallas, off like Marsh and Midway. But it was really cool because it is like an indoor play gym, but it's designed specifically for children on the autism spectrum. It's open play, so, like, anybody can go. You don't have to um, be on the spectrum to play. But we went and got to play with all these children on varying spectrums with, like, and I'm telling you, like, they, because, like, for the, if you're on the autism spectrum, it's really important to, like, have different sensory things to help develop those um to help develop all the different senses i obviously am not an expert in autism how to work your brain and like understand what's going on right but um but also like it was (laughs) it was slightly chaotic probably because i feel like most like play gyms that are organized for like children not on the spectrum is like safety is prioritized which obviously as a mom i also like like love the fact that safety is prioritized um but there's usually like a ton of rules and like structure but here everything was so heavily padded and they were just like have at it so like they essentially made it so safe specifically so kids did not have to have any rules and could like run all over the the like the place and do literally whatever they wanted um so that was fun it was it was a little bit to get used to but jake had a blast he loved not having rules that's fun well where did i go this week nowhere i sat at home but one place that i really wanted to go this week was tongue-in-cheek ice cream it was your name day what on tuesday my name day on wednesday but we didn't get to go i know we We just had so much going on that we didn't make it and for anybody who doesn't know tongue-in-cheek ice cream they have this thing called a name day it's a thing they do every day they pick out names and if it's your name day then you get to go and get a free scoop of ice cream. Right. And if you follow them on social media, you can be updated about this. That's when you find out if it's your name day or not. Right. I realize it's just a ploy to get us to go. And but it's we an end effective up, ploy. We end up buying two scoops of ice cream every time we go because well, there's three of us. Right. I will say this. I usually just like freeload off of you or Jake's ice cream. Granted, that hasn't been happening lately because Jake has decided that vanilla is his favorite flavor. And like, yeah, I don't want to so be boring. vanilla. Right. So and what you always get something I don't like. So it's your fault. You always mm. get like banana pudding and I hate bananas. I got blackberry cobbler, blueberry cobbler this okay, last yeah. time. I don't know. It's, but, it's too out there for me. Yeah. I figure if you're going to a place, why not get something that you can't get anywhere else. I'm a creature of habit. Every time I get ice cream at Tongue and Cheek, I get coffee. I because it's good. I get caffeine out of it, and it's consistent. I don't like surprises, and I don't like disappointment. 
But I will sample the heck out of their like samples, but I usually still get the same thing. I will try all the ones that I haven't tried yet, and that way I can't be disappointed. Because if none of those are good, then I go with a classic like cookie dough. Hmm. But if one of those are good, like banana pudding, then I get it. So gross. So, so gross. I realize you're not a banana fan. No, it's disgusting. Just wait for monkeypox. You're going to have to shove a banana (laughs) in your nose to get tested. Hear hear me say this. Do we think that monkeypox is actually going to be a thing? Are you talking to me? Is that a question for you and I, or is that a proverbial we? Oh, I was like, wait, I'm literally talking to you. So, of course, I I need someone to respond. And you happen to be the only person in the room. I'm going to say yes. I think it is a thing. But not like COVID. I mean, yeah, but it's not like COVID. It's real. It's not a a hoax. Right. It's not fake news. It's not designed. But I do think it is. I think right now it is more fear mongering and news entertainment. So it's basically just being used to get viewers and to hype people up about something in a bad way. I think that's all it is. I really don't think it's going right. to become a pandemic. And this is why it upsets me. And truthfully, why I haven't really been reading up on monkeypox is because that's what it it sounds like to me that that is what the media is doing. And that bothers me because like, I do trust the media like for the most part. And what upsets me is when they do stuff like this that is obviously sensationalism or fear-mongering, it, one, creates distrust for the media or furthers distrust that is already present, which is, like, not doing us any favors. Like, as the last two years have showed us what distrust of the media can do. And so then that just, like, have you learned nothing, media? Like, yep. but I guess it's effective, right? Money drives ads and... Yeah, clickbait is what drives ads. Yeah, and that's why, that's why instead I create my own media. Oh my gosh, the tear we go. <laughs> Trust it here. But I think I I hear you. I err on the side of too little consumption of news media mm. because I would prefer to just not get any of it, as opposed to getting some. And realizing I have to get more in order to form my own opinion. Mm. So instead, I can form my opinion based on the core absolute truths of But how do you determine what that is if you're not reading news articles? I'm talking about the core absolute truths of the Bible. So if somebody comes to me with a story and says, hey, what do you think about blah, 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 blah? And then I say, well... No, I, I, I absolutely hate that answer. Well, <laughs> are you joking or is that what you really do? I don't I don't go in and like Jesus juke them. But to me, if somebody can tell me what they think is going on or like tell me something, I'll say, well, this is what we should do about something like that. Okay, so to take your example. Yes, tell me. How, how would you react slash did you react to COVID? Because people on both sides of that argument were also claiming to use their Bible to back themselves up. You're right. And that's a great example. Because did COVID come from a lab? I don't know. Did COVID come from eating bush meat? I don't know. Did COVID change the world? 
absolutely. What are we supposed to do about COVID? We're supposed to love our neighbor. Right. But uh, large significant people who read the Bible disagreed with you. What about loving our neighbor? In forms of what that actually looks like practically. I know. And if what you're doing, I think this kind of can hold true for many different scenarios. If what you're doing and how you react to something is in anger, if you get worked up and angry about something, and I'm, I'm just I'm just spitballing here. <laughs> Joe's backing himself into a corner. I'm just spitballing here. But if you react in anger or if what you're doing is out of spite or out of like thinking that you need some type of additional, I don't know, rights or freedoms or something, then I think there's checking that you need to do. Um, I love that we're talking about this because this actually kind of segues in what, uh, into what I wanted to talk about. But before we hop on over to that, I have been, I'm literally like an hour away from finishing the second, um, course for through the Bible project. And what I like the, my main takeaway from both of these courses combined is that, um, the Bible is the inspired word of God and is useful for teaching, rebuking, yada, 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 the whole verse. However, the Bible is often used as a tool to do things that it was never designed to do. And so I think it's very important that like, although it is a a great um, theological work that the Lord is using through imperfect people to teach us something about himself and the world and the world, everything around us, it's not a manual and wasn't written to be such. And so there's a lot of things that are not directly spoken to via the Bible. And we have to, come together and, you know, figure out the best course of action. But it's not like if, if a problem comes up, sweet, let me just go look for a Bible verse, take it out of context and use it to support the narrative. I already believe. I agree with you, but I'm pretty sure I saw the word COVID in the Bible. <laughs> I think it was in Zechariah forty five twelve. Okay. Well, let me hop into it. Um, <laughs> Because this is what a great segue. Okay, so um, this episode is brought to you by Ali, sponsor, not sponsor. What? With, with God Daily, Sky Jatani's daily devotionals. For people who hate daily devotionals, we've talked about one of his <laughs> devotionals a few weeks back, but th- this is actually two days of devos. It was part one, part two. Don't worry, I've already selected the paragraphs which I want to read to you. It is not the full devotionals, but it was just so freaking good, um, especially in light of a bunch of stuff going on. That I wanted to read it. But anyway, um, it's uh, both of these. What I'm about to read to you is all about cognitive dissonance. Do you know what cognitive dissonance is? Can no, you describe tell it? Me. Do you really not? No, tell me. Okay. Uh, back up. He is talking specifically about a uh, story in John chapter nine, where Jesus uh, heals the blind man and the um, Pharisees were super disproving of that. So he may refer to that in the following paragraphs. Okay. In 1957, a psychologist named Leon Festinger from Stanford studied the members of an apocalyptic cult who believed the world was about to end in a cataclysmic flood. They had sold all their possessions in their homes to prepare for the end of the world. Festinger wanted to know how the cult members reconciled their beliefs with the fact that the world did not end. What he found was surprising. 
only a handful of the cult members admitted they or their leader had been wrong. Instead, Fessinger documented that the cult members came to believe that they were right about the flood all along, and that by selling all of their possessions, they had actually prevented the end of the world from happening. What he observed wasn't limited to cults. He found that when most people encounter a fact or an idea that contradicts a closely held belief, they become very uncomfortable. This discomfort is what is called cognitive dissonance. And rather than living with the discomfort or changing their beliefs to fit with the new data, most people will go to extreme lengths to not change. Fessinger found that the more certain a person is that they are right, the less open they are to any evidence to the contrary. Simply put, Fessinger found that certainty makes us blind. I think he's got a point there <laughs> because I've been saying people are cognitively dissonant. <laughs> You've been saying for that for so forever, long. for years. I've been saying, hey, man, you don't know what you're talking about. You're just seeing your truth and you're wrong. Oh, sorry. Part two. Oh, there's a part two. Sorry. Now? <laughs> there's a part two. This is from the next day. Um, Researcher, researchers have found that when denying evidence and discrediting the messenger isn't enough, we will try one last desperate measure to avoid cognitive dissonance distance. So in John 9, the Pharisees do this by banishing the blind man. Uh, religious leaders did not take this drastic action because the man had done nothing illegal or sinful, but simply because he represented a threat to the certainty of their theology and authority. As long as he was part of the synagogue and shared his story of behind, uh, sorry, of being healed by Jesus on the Sabbath, he would cause others to question the correctness of the leader's teaching and interpretations of scripture. The blind man was what psychologists call a carrier of dissonance, and if his story could not be denied, and if his credibility could not be destroyed, then the only option left for the religious leaders was to put as much distance between themselves and the source of dissonance. And this is because of the following psychological phenomenon. People try to avoid cognitive dissonance. The only way to avoid it, however, is to avoid the carriers of dissonance, both non-human and human. Thus, individuals who hold political position X will avoid reading newspaper articles that tend to support position Y. By the same token, these individuals will avoid conversations with Yist, but seek out Xs as conversation partners. When people have a strong personal investment in a particular definition of reality, such as strongly held religious or political positions or convictions that relate directly to their way of life, they will go to great lengths to set up both behavioral and cognitive defenses. I got two things on this. Okay. First one, this is exactly what was happening in the FLDS documentary we're watching. 100%. 100%. We can talk about that in a second. But it makes me think of the discussion around culture right now mm. in the workplace mm. because as we talk about culture and making sure you're a good culture fit for a company and as you talk about what that company's goals or mottos or what you're striving for as a company a lot of this falls into that same cognitive dissonance Basically saying this company is whatever that whatever they're doing, whatever their job is, there's going to be other people doing that job as well in the world. But it's almost like that company probably wants to be seen as the best in that market or whatever they they do. And so by buying into this culture of the company, you are then saying you are the best and and it's almost like also perpetuating this what to me sounds like a potentially negative harmful 
trait of humans. Interesting. Now, it, it is very hard, though, because like you need buy-in from your employees and you need that motivation towards a common goal. Right. We, we talked a little bit about this last week, just to how like um, for like and we were specifically talking about churches, but like for groups to grow and like to create strong bonds, they have to be homogenous. Yeah. Um, but then there is just innate danger to being homogenous. And so what you're seeing now, they're actually calling it the big sort. And what you're seeing is that people in America are physically moving, whether it's like changing churches to a church down the street or like physically leaving states and moving to other states. They are putting themselves in communities with quote unquote like-minded individuals because division is so high right now. And so we are quote unquote sorting ourselves into homogenous groups. And this isn't like clubs. This is lifestyles, neighborhoods, neighborhoods and worldviews and communities that all are super homogenous. And at the same time, with that homogeny, there is, I mean, who, no one will argue with you that it is very divided in America right now. And so with that, and if you can hear the, <laughs> the siren in the background. Because um, we're divided. I mean, it's not going to end well, because like homogeny plus fear is not a good combination nope. at all. And if just like these, this, uh, these psych, the psychology that we were just reading, cognitive dissonance, if we go out of our ways to not be uncomfortable, to not question our own beliefs and convictions in a healthy way, because obviously like you have to have, you can't just be like a giant piece of jello in your head that, you know, you just like move around to whatever whim convictions and worldviews and beliefs are important. But when we don't challenge them, they, that's not, that's never a good thing. Nope. So I, so when I was reading this, especially in light of what, one, the fact that we're watching a, we watched a documentary on the FLDS, always a good time. What, what can we do to stop that? Because like, I've been in situations where like, of like situations like that, and it's not fun to be uncomfortable. Like it's not fun to question can deeply held convictions or beliefs like it takes work and it's uncomfortable and it is emotional and it's not it's it's difficult so like how do we is that something that we have to just do for the rest of our lives and just be constantly uncomfortable it's a it's a great question and dr joe tell me everything i i know you don't like it but whenever i bring up I, is this I love, a geo, how is this going to relate to geothermal love to bring up the energy transition are solutions you, podcast stop. are you really this past week i had a guy <laughs> on who talked all about management strategy okay and i'm going to have a guest on who talked all about who is going to talk all about the divided nature of our world right now wow and how how you can bring together large boogeyman corporations like big oil with the with the greenies like Sierra Club and Greenpeace, I love that you guys have like fifties gang names. And then, and then bring in all the all the renewable folk. You're not part of the greenies. I don't know. I don't know where renewables fall in. Probably closer to greenies. I don't know. But I think the the thing that we can strive for is having a a single agreeable or or basically having an agreeable mission and goal. So it could be one specific thing 
It could be a set of five things. But if everybody can go towards a common goal, if you can find that common ground, then everything else can more or less be figured out if everybody kind of... how do you get everyone to agree on one common goal? Well, that's the hard part. But I think it, in some of this future guest's examples, he talks about a specific area where there needs to be... Are you being cryptic because you don't want to spoil your own podcast? Well, no, because I haven't, I haven't interviewed him yet. Oh, <laughs> I've I've done a I've done a pre-interview. Oh, it's but so- he's got examples of bringing together a an, an environmental nonprofit with a large oil and gas corporation, and they have a a set goal of something in the Gulf Coast. This set goal, they can find that common ground on, say, saving the whales by being able to find that common ground then they can both figure out ways to get there where it ends up being a win-win situation. I haven't, uh, here's my problem with that. Yeah. And it's probably because that's an example that I wasn't really thinking about. But I, I feel like you're oversimplifying the problem. Because like for like gun reform, I think everybody with the exception of the gunmen would all agree that children being slaughtered in school is an undesirable situation. We can all come together and kumbaya and agree about that. But that does not change the fact that people disagree on how to implement change to stop that. True. I think that example, though, yes, everybody agrees that slaughtering children is not okay. But at some point, there is a disagreement, which is why we can't come together on gun reform. And and I don't know at what stage that disagreement is, but there is a fundamental disagreement that says we have not found that common ground. Right. Because saying, oh, we shouldn't kill children. I think you could ask the entire world and 99% of the world will agree with you. That, I think, is is almost too simplistic. Whereas it, if you say, if you take the route that you say, I want to make sure my child can go to school in a safe environment where they can learn and grow into adulthood or something along those lines. That is something I think everybody can agree upon. And if you have that goal in mind, then, and and you say, this is more important, like this, if this isn't done, Ultimately, things fail. I think that is the hard part is that it really has to be a take it or leave it situation where we have to find a solution. Right. Well, and I think that, I mean, it can, you don't even have to have gun reform as the example for this. I think we are at a point or at least about to get to a point where people are so convinced that how they view the world and how they view policy is not only correct, but the only option that they are like, we are refusing to even entertain 
alternative ideas. Yeah. Like we've lost the plot. Like we've lost the fact like, hey, solution, like let's come together and find a solution. And we're more concerned about being right and winning than actually finding solutions. And I think to that point, it's not even about whether you're admitting that you're right or not. Like some people will say, yeah, I'll be open to being wrong. But I think it's, it is so divisive that you'll say, but but that group, the group that I'm not a part of, is always wrong. So therefore, I can't ever believe them. Right. <laughs> which means I I can only go with what I think because it's, I have the better option. Because it's the closest to the truth if it's not the truth, which I think it is. I think getting to common ground is the missing link right now because it, if we could find that that first foremost common ground and say, okay, this is what we're going for. And we are not, we are not stopping until we find something where we can get to this point. And that's what is so scary to me about like the big sort that's happening is because it is impossible and will be impossible to find common ground. If you are only living and doing life with people who think the exact same way that you think. Yeah. And I'm also scared about that because maybe scared is, I know scared is too strong. We'll be fine. I'm curious about it. In that, as we're doing this sorting, as we're moving people around, how is that going to change overall voting and politics and how the current divide between red and blue, how that ends up changing with people moving to be closer to like-minded individuals? Right. I think Texas is a weird case. Um, because we are getting such an influx of people here uh, purely because companies are moving here. So you're going to be getting a lot of people who aren't necessarily moving because they're sorting themselves, but they're being, they're, they're dragged here via their companies. I think that's kind of ironic because I feel like the companies, at least everybody complains about people moving from California, right? But here's the thing. California has a very large Republican base and like a lot of the like the red Republicans are moving to Texas, or yeah, the red Californians are moving to Texas. People never, if you look at the electoral map of California, obviously the cities go blue, just like they go blue most other places. But the rest of California is very red. Like there is a lot of Republicans in California. And you think it's all the Republicans moving to to Texas? I don't think all of them. But like if someone says, oh, like keep all the Californians out, you may be rejecting someone who has the same worldview as you. <laughs> you may be. You may be. LA itself has so many human beings that like from a popular vote standpoint, they're such a huge, you know, the cities carry that state most of the time. So yeah, absolutely. Right. So, I mean, yeah, just because people are coming from a state that you think is predominantly blue or the opposite of what you are, that doesn't mean that person it could, I mean, truthfully, it could be all the Republicans fleeing their states to come to Texas. I don't know. We don't know. I, we, I mean, cause like if you look at the, I mean, we're in Dallas, so we've always gone blue, but Texas has pretty much stayed. I mean, maybe they've moved up. Maybe the Democrats have had a little bit more of sway in Texas is the past 10 years, but I don't really feel like it. From like a, a state, full on state standpoint, I don't feel like it's been that big of a swing, but I guess we'll find out when the midterm elections happen. I think your your point that you're making with it could be 
all Republicans moving to Texas, in some regard, that still plays into that idea. Oh, the big sort? Well, yeah, the big sort, but also how is that going to change overall political dynamics? So let's assume it's all Republican Californians moving to Texas. Now, any Republicans that are left in California are going to be significantly outnumbered. Right. It is going to be a— So California would become more blue is what you're saying. It will become even more blue. Right. It'll go from a more of a purple into a royal blue. I love the color scheme. Hey, I don't make the politics. I just color (laughs) them. And then in some scenarios where you have a swing state— if all of those swing voters now separate or some of them go to a more like-minded state and you turn that swing state into a red or blue state, a red or a blue state that is now more of a, what do they call them? Stronghold states. Right. Maybe like you could turn it so that now it is really, it's not going to change. Right. I, th- I truthfully think that we will not fully know to the extent of how much the big sort's going to affect things until like at least 10 years from now. But, um, and feel free to quote me on this and we'll quote. just re-listen to this episode 10 years from now. But I'm pretty sure this is the like second grade, the largest like migration of people. This may be a huge exaggeration since uh, Jim Crow. I may be wrong. Because in the like, U.S. In the U.S. Because like there was a huge influx of African-Americans who fled the southern states and fled Jim Crow to the northern and midwestern states. And that was a huge like relocation of populations. And I seem to recall hearing that the big sword is also similar or at least the next biggest one. So, yeah, it's like but yeah, again, like if we're all going to be with people who think just like us. That's just going to make make us more more divided and it's sad truthfully because like especially as christians like in revelations the bible is very clear that like heaven is not homogenous heaven is extremely diverse people from all nations colors and creeds and so if we are if we are looking to put ourselves in communities of homogeny like we've kind of lost the plot you know yes but at the same time back to what i was saying it is uncomfortable like, it's hard to live a life uncomfortable, but that's what we're called to do. Live a life uncomfortable. The, the grammar's odd, but. Well, I, for one, am not getting rid of my cushy chairs. <laughs> <laughs> In fact, we went out and bought me a new work chair because my other one was too uncomfortable. <laughs> <laughs> so, you know. I'm going to take some comforts where I can get them. I'm just going to put, uh, start putting like little uh, thumbtacks in your chair. Take no. that fluffy chair. No. Oh, my gosh. Do you have a sponsor for us? Do I have a sponsor? Yeah. Do you have a sponsor for us? Yeah, I've got a sponsor. i got a sponsor every week. Get it. This week's sponsor is Blue Are Chest. Are looking around? <laughs> no, I'm not looking. I was looking around for comedic effect. Oh, my gosh. No. That, that no one can see Yes, that nobody can see. But contrary to popular demand, we will not be filming these podcasts. And by popular demand, I mean no one's asked for that. <laughs> <laughs> so that's not popular. Joe looked at demand. me like people are asking for <laughs> it's this. It's not popular demand at all. In fact, it's zero demand. <laughs> Due to lack of demand, we will not be filming these podcasts. <laughs> but yes, 
Of course, I've got a sponsor. This week's sponsor, not sponsor, is not just one, but many. Oh, Lord. Many fluffy little creatures that are so fun, so sweet. They come in all, well, pretty much just one shape, several different sizes. They come in black and white. Some of them are brown colored. Some of them are gray colored. Do you know who the sponsor is this week? I, on, are they the gloves that you're holding in your hand? Well, these gloves I'm holding in my hand are mittens. And our sponsor, not sponsor this week, is all of the Icelandic sheep who make all of the lovely wool that produce all the lovely clothings that other people wear. <laughs> all the lovely clothing. As I was thinking about who should sponsor this show, as I was talking about the new segment that we have, Where'd You Go?, I was thinking, maybe some people want to know where they should go this this summer. Yeah, where and should thought, they go? I thought, maybe you should go to Iceland. Maybe you should Me? go... No, the, go. our audience. <laughs> <laughs> we won't be able to go, but y'all can go I for thought, us. I thought, you should go. You should go find some wool. You should knit yourself a sweater. Or maybe you should just buy one from one of the local shops. Or buy yourself a pair of mittens. From all of our lovely Icelandic sheep. Have you ever, I can't even touch this because it's so scratchy. Have you ever worn these? Yeah, I have. How many times? And how long did it take you to rip them off your body? Because they are so not soft. I don't know how often I wear them, but I do wear them. I have never seen you wear these things. I wore did you them, wear them during the ice storm? I wore them during our freeze, during the ice storm, yeah. Um, Imagine like a steel wool like scrubbing brush <laughs> and a mitten made out of that material on your hand. <laughs> But since all of the prices are going up and gas is now $5 billion a gallon, we won't be <laughs> traveling fine. this summer. Maybe not $5 billion, but it's definitely over 5 It's over $5 a gallon. Maybe not. We'll have to confirm the $5 billion. <laughs> We'll get back. We'll update you next week. But we will, do, we will not be traveling that much this summer. No big major trips. No flights to Iceland. But I encourage all of you. Go check it out. It's nice. That's all I got. <laughs> you said you had multiple things. Multiple things being the many Icelandic sheep that are running around the countryside. They're all sponsoring the show. We need to end this because they literally, like, moments ago released the Stranger Things Part 2 trailer. Trailer? The trailer. And if anybody hasn't seen Stranger Things, go watch it. If you can't go to Iceland... Watch Go back Stranger in time things. to the 80s where strange things happen. Okay, bye. All right. Bye-bye.